it's me, your host, Zoe Blasky, and welcome back to Motherkind, the show that is here to support you in motherhood. You know, I've only ever had one goal with this show, and that is to help you have a happier motherhood. That was my mission when I started six years ago, and it is still my mission today. This week, I am welcomed by fellow podcaster and mum of two, Millie McIntosh. I loved this chat with Millie. I think you're going to be surprised about how honest she is. And she reveals things that she has never spoken about before in her experiences of motherhood. We talk about how stopping drinking has changed her life completely, what her matrescence was like, and why she feels like a completely different person. We talk about the mental load and how she's working on her perfectionism. So many good ideas and insights in this chat. I really hope you love it. If you do, please leave a review and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It does make a massive difference. Here it is. This episode is sponsored by Coru Kids. After school childcare can be so tricky, can't it? It's hard to find and usually means long days for little ones at school. Well, Coru Kids is changing that with flexible part-time nannies that can work just the hours you need. Their nannies are from a variety of backgrounds, students, artists and writers, but they all have one thing in common, which is a passion for working with children. Coru Kids take care of the vetting, references and employment checks. In fact, less than 5% of applicants actually go on to join the platform. And these nannies aren't fuddy-duddy, Mary Poppin types. They are the perfect solution to your busy family life. They let tired kids come home, eat a home-cooked meal, get homework done and enjoy activities and fun, bringing joy to their afternoons and calm to your evenings. We all need a bit of that, don't we? For a limited time, our listeners can trial a nanny for free. Yes, free. Worth over £50. Just head to corukids.co.uk. That's K-O-R-U kids.co.uk and use the code MOTHERKIND when you sign up to get your free three-hour trial. Oh, well, Millie, I'm so excited to chat. We were just laughing. We were trying to get our technical self-sorting <laughs> out. We were just saying, we've got too many tabs open and... Isn't that just a truism for motherhood? I don't know if anything could be more true. It's just my life every day. The mental load and the tabs open. Like I had someone help me with my laptop. I actually wish I had this tech wizard at my house all the time because I always need him. And he could not believe the state I keep my like desktop in. He was like, how do you live like this? I don't know how else to be. <laughs> it's so true. But, yeah, it's, it's so not- true. It's a million things open at once. You must have like mental load squared because aren't you doing a house move or planning a house move? We're applying to a school. We are planning a move, not actually until the summer, but it's more a renovation project and that it needs to happen. So yeah, I'm trying to not get too stressed by it and just be as organized as I can. There's a lot going on. Tell me about that decision-making process, because I think it's not talked about enough in the parenting and motherhood spaces. These huge decisions that we have to make within the first five, six, seven years of our children's lives about where are we going to live? We made the move out. We left Clapham and moved to the seaside. But I remember how difficult that decision is because you're impacting not only your life, but obviously your children's lives. This is what they're going to remember from their childhood. How was that decision-making process for you guys? 
It's such a big decision and it's actually been one that's really thrown me because do we decide on the school first or do we decide on the area first? And it's like, which way to lead? Like, do we choose the area and then find a school in the area? Or do we choose a school and then decide to like move near to the school? And then also, should we leave London? We've been even even told, should we leave the UK? There's been so many conversations we've been having over the last few years, especially in the last year, because they'll be going to school next September. So now we're under like time pressure to actually get the school application in kind of by like the end of the year. Um, We're applying to a few different schools. It's been a really difficult decision. I think ultimately we've had to decide what will make us happy as a couple and as a family and what feels authentically right to us and what is going to align with like our values and how we want to spend our time, what's going to give us the best chance as a family. It's just got to align with what is important to us as a family. And we've had so many different discussions. We are actually staying in London. But I really would love to move out to the country. I just don't think it, it's going to be our next move. And um, we're actually moving, I don't want to say to exactly which area, but it's an area we both are familiar with from when we were younger. It's exciting. I'm actually feeling very stressed by the prospect of not getting into our first choice of school because the one we're applying to is really small. With the sibling spaces, there's only going to be about 15 spaces and it's going to be so hard to get in. I'm like, can I manifest this? Can I? <laughs> How much, you know, I'm really trying to like have the positive outlook. And I know that it is out of my control. So there's only so much we can do. And um, we've got other options. Are your kids older than mine? Have you already done the school? Got a seven and a three. Wow. So we okay. started school in London in the pandemic, which was just crazy, really, wow. because it was sort of in, out, in, out, masks on. It wasn't really like a normal yeah. starting school experience. And then we moved just after the pandemic. But I think, you know, there's so much in choosing schools. It feels like such a responsibility. And what I really learned about it is to go with the feeling of how a place felt and also a little bit to, it's so hard, as you say, that word control, but just to see if I could surrender a little bit and just trust yeah. that the right school will be the one that comes to us the easiest yeah and it's really hard to do but that is what happened okay so, so I've got to trust in that what's meant to be will be I think that's it I think it's with any decision isn't it it's putting in all that groundwork putting in the footwork you know we don't just make these decisions blindly but then when we've done all of that then it's okay I'm going to try and let go of it because the worst is when you make a decision and then you're overthinking the decision you've already made yeah do you do it's, that oh definitely I definitely do and then I'm like what if we change our minds? Oh, but yeah, just trying to be positive. And we're going to have, you know, we've got a second option that we also really like. And then I'm going to, I'm probably going to apply to about another two or three just to feel like we've got options within the area that we're planning to move. So we don't <laughs> think, okay, we're moving. We don't have a school nearby. She will get into a school and go to a school. I've actually been finding it quite challenging and it's really been showing me things I haven't dealt with from my school experience and I noticed myself get super triggered in a meeting about schools and I started having a panic attack and actually just burst into tears in the meeting but I actually just voiced it and said look this is actually just quite hard for me and it made it better as soon as I'd said it I was like oh that's why I feel like this and it's okay so I'm doing therapy and I've been doing some inner child work and I know where that trauma comes from and it was I was bullied at more than one school 
So it's understandable that I've got, you know, some worries about where Sienna's going to go. And I'm just hoping, you know, I know I'm going to make sure that she doesn't have the same experience that I did. I was bullied as well. And I think, again, it's only since motherhood that I've really reflected on the impact that that's had on me. It cuts very deep, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I've been asked about it on podcasts and things and been like, God, I don't really know how to talk about it. Until you've really dealt with something and processed it, it's actually really hard to talk about it. People are like, well, how did you deal with it? You know, and I was like, well, you know, I just got through it, but I didn't really deal with it very well. I have had, you know, a lot of anxiety in my adult life and it's really come from that experience, most of it. It's true. You know, you can't share something, particularly publicly, until you have processed it. I always say you have to share the scar, not the wound. It's not yeah. safe, actually. It's not safe to your inner child. Like you're not protecting yeah. her if you're sharing about that when you haven't fully processed it yourself. I'm in that process now, but I have found doing the inner child work is really powerful. I did a guided breath journey last week and I took this discomfort I'd felt around Sienna's schooling and my my memories of my school experience kind of into the session and kind of just took that in and I really saw my inner child, my younger self and kind of just like invited to like look her in the face and talk to her and it was like had a big breakthrough it was like sobbing it was it was amazing actually it's so good isn't it I've done lots of it as well and there's only so much you can do it makes a difference but there's only so much you can do changing your thoughts and doing quite surface level for me my big transformations really did come when I was able to get to some of that really core wiring. I see it as like wiring, like your brains are forming when you're younger, brains forming up to the age of 25. So anything before then, you know, it's like wired that way. And it's almost like going in, isn't it? You know, like you see those bomb disposal experts and like sort of trying to unpick the wiring. (laughs) That's that's a good way to think of it. Trying to unpick the wiring. And it's all in the body. It's all stored in your body. And I've been reading books like Waking the Tiger and the body keeps the score. and, And I'm really interested in learning about the body's trauma response and fascinating it's really fascinating but having that deeper understanding is helping me to deal with my triggers and it makes sense doesn't it because anxiety and panic is not an intellectual exercise it's a physical reaction so of course we have to meet the physical with the physical like you can't yeah. talk you can't your just, way out of your yeah. anxiety you can't think your way out of a panic attack it's like now I'm trying to treat it differently and like really feel like, okay, where is it in my body? And and actually just be okay to sit still, even though it's so uncomfortable and just let it be like, and feel it and be like, what is it trying to show me? <laughs> I don't want to do that. I just don't want to do it. But I'm like, no, I sit and try and breathe and just breathe it into it and feel where it is my body and actually put my hand there and like soothe myself and talk to my inner child. And it has really been changing. It's really been affecting like how long those anxious feelings last rather than kind of pushing it away or like distracting myself with something else. Now I'm not drinking as well. I feel like since I've been sober, I'm able to actually feel my feelings. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't happen straight away, but I'm getting much better at accepting the feelings and that I need to feel them in order to heal. It's so true. Someone said, I think it might have been Glennon Doyle, like when you're sober, you never feel just fine again. You feel like these really big highs and you feel everything because there's no like yeah. sticking aid 
There's no sort of taking the edge off. You know what I'm really interested in, Millie, is I think we get to a point in our lives or even in our motherhood journeys when we're ready to do that deeper work that you're talking to, connecting with what happened to us when we were younger. But I think my experience and with clients actually is that we only get to that point when we're ready and we can't force that timeline. And I was wondering, what was it, do you think, that helped you? First step is getting sober. Second step is diving into that. What was it that enabled you in the rest of your life to go there? I think I've been on my own wellness and self-development journey for the last few years. It's been gradually building over time. And then the sobriety was like the missing piece. I was like, everything's not connecting. You know, I'm doing all this like stuff, but I still don't really feel good. And why is my anxiety still so bad? But I'm doing my meditation. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But like, I wasn't doing any of it with the right intention. I was also doing it all to like tick a box and not properly connecting with a lot of those wellness practices. And actually since being sober, it's like I've actually been able to understand the purpose of doing the meditation or the breath work or the yoga and actually just feel it properly like in my body rather than just being like checklist okay tick I've done that and feeling like I was doing all the right things but without actually being mindful I feel like the sobriety was like the missing piece and I've been able to really reconnect with myself and figure out who I am and connecting to my core values and actually I've never even really thought about what they are before. I'm a coach so I'm always coaching on values like coaches are obsessed with values but I tell you what, it's just the biggest privilege to work with someone. And I'd never thought about it before I did training and to think about what actually matters to me, especially in motherhood, I think, where I don't know if you experience this, particularly because you're in the public eye, there's so much noise. And if you don't know yeah. what matters to you, really, I think you get lost quite quickly. You can do. Yeah, I think and those things do change. The things that matter to you change. I've never been through such a big change as becoming a mother. It's really changed who I am. And I mean, I think back to the girl I was in my 20s, I feel like a completely different person. So I'm trying to get to know who I am now and leave the previous versions of me behind. Not to like shut the door on them and not hold love and space for them, but this is my journey. And, you know, I really hardly recognize the girl I was 10 years ago. I feel exactly the same. You know, there's a word for it, which I'm really passionate about sharing. Have you heard it's called matrescence? No, I haven't heard it. Oh, I love love that word. Yes, it's just like adolescence, you know, when you go from being a teen to an adult and it's a process where you figure out what matters to me now, who am I now? Everything changes, your body changes, your relationships change, your hormones changes. It's just the same. And it's meant to actually be like a bumpy time. It's meant to be a time when you question everything. It's just that we don't, tell mothers about it in the West. So we always think there's something wrong with us. Oh, interesting. It's fascinating, isn't it? So what is important to you now when you think about tapping into those values? What's important to me now? Time with family, my family more than ever. I've really felt in the last year, even like a real kind of yearning to get to know my parents more on like a deeper level and spend more time with them, more like quality time, just time spent with family, I'm spent in nature, travel. I do feel really passionately about wellness and through sharing my wellness journey and my sobriety journey, I really care about helping people. And I know that's what you do, but the way it makes me feel when I get messages from other mums or other people on Instagram and they say that something I've 
posted about has really changed their mindset and really helped them, whether it's to do with sobriety or mental health or just motherhood, that really like stays with me and that makes me feel really good. I really care about being kind to people and I really care about the platform that I'm really lucky to work on and having that chance to connect with all my followers and try to use it in a positive way, you know, be a positive place for people. Yeah. And I think you do an incredible job at that. And I think, you know, it's so important, isn't it? Particularly when people judge their insides by other people's outsides. Like it would be really easy for someone to look at your outsides and think, well, she doesn't feel how I feel. So then when you have the courage to say, actually, I feel this on the inside, it's just so freeing. I found it incredibly freeing being open on my platform and going through that progression since I guess when I was pregnant with Sienna was when I first started sharing more about how I was feeling and it kind of just stemmed from there and it's very freeing suddenly being like no my life isn't perfect I I don't feel great all the time and actually I feel like shit and this is going on and and then other people are going oh don't worry me too I had the exact same thing and you're like oh thank god it's not just me that's it isn't it they call it self-silencing in the feminist literature which is basically like if we don't know that other people are going through it what women tend to do is blame ourselves and I know that's what I did in early motherhood I was like I must just be not cut out for this because everyone else on Instagram seems to be having a wonderful old time and I am here like sobbing in my pajamas trying to breastfeed I did a lot of sobbing in my pajamas <laughs> breastfeeding and crying yeah went hand in hand for me it was just a whole mess same with my second I just barely did it and I did Wonderful. that completely guilt-free and it transformed honestly it transformed that second matrescence for me it was amazing what are you learning to take the pressure off yourself with not being such a perfectionist I think in motherhood I'm really learning the more you put pressure on for example say you're planning like a family holiday and you have this picture-perfect idea of how you want it to go and how you want it to be. And you get there and obviously the kids are screaming, the weather's shit, like the whole thing is just stressful. And then you're literally like feeling awful. Why have we done this? Like if you just have that attitude, it just makes everything feel so much harder. And the pressure actually kind of makes it almost, like it's almost like guaranteed to not go to plan. So I'm having to let go of my like kind of perfectionism, go with the flow more. What's coming up around that? Because this is something that I saw in myself and in tons of clients that I work with is it can be really hard to do that, to actually learn. Because I think it's about self-trust, isn't it? I think for me, if I think I can control everything ahead of time, that then I'll be able to handle the situation. It takes a lot of self-trust and confidence to be like, I'm just going to know that whatever happens however shit the weather is and however much the kids scream. And if we miss the flight and someone's sick, I'm going to be able to handle that. So true. It's that trust and like letting go a bit of the control. And like, I'm learning that as I go. It's not easy all the time because that's still second nature to me. Like I still want to go there. I do feel that motherhood is making me a better person. And I also feel that through becoming a parent and having the privilege of parenting my children and being able to be there for them it's actually quite cathartic and healing for me because I feel that I can give them love in the way that I felt like I didn't have enough of like really physical love like really showing them I was very loved as a child and I don't want to take away anything from my parents who were amazing people but they weren't maybe that 
physical with their like expressions of love and maybe didn't say it and express it as much as I do now to my children and I like tell them all the time and I, we are a very cuddly family and my children have, I'm not forcing that on them they're very affectionate as well and they want the cuddles and you know I just constantly tell them how much I love them and I find it is actually quite healing for me but I've also realized I have to give myself that love as well it's both isn't it I think that's what I've realized it's also teaching me that I need to reparent myself so it's kind of both, both ways but thinking of myself as it does help that I see Sienna and me look very similar so sometimes I look at Sienna and it's literally like I'm looking at my younger self and I have to recognize also sometimes when I want to lash out that's like my inner toddler coming out when I'm on my brink and being pushed yeah I've got the same with my eldest actually you've got it's a three-year-old as well my three-year-old doesn't look oh. anything like me she looks <sighs> like her dad my seven-year-old everyone's like oh my God, you guys are literally twins. Really? And personality-wise, and what we struggle with is the same. But what was quite Mm. interesting with that is, God, I was hugely triggered by all of her big feelings to start with. And then I realized, it was actually Gabo Mate, who's like, you know, he's insane. I did a podcast with him and he basically gave me a therapy session. And Oh, jealous. (laughs) I was like, I need to listen to it. It was the best thing ever. He said to me, you're trying to shut down her feelings because you've never been able to access your own. So I then went and did like a whole nother round of therapy and, and it's really different now. It's so mad to me how well it works, right? She has these big meltdowns and it just doesn't affect me in the same I, way. I, say I, have, I haven't really maybe admitted it to anyone before, or maybe a close friend, but yeah, I have felt super triggered by my children. Of course. <laughs> It's really hard because you can't control them. And the more you try to get them to do what you want them to do, like the more they have these tantrums. And I actually spoke to a child psychologist at one point when I was getting like really desperate. And he just said to just really just let her, like let her shout. And that really changed it for me. So instead of kind of trying to be like, are you like trying to like get her to shush or calm down? I'm now just like, you're safe. I'm here. Just. Scream as loud as you want. Just let it out, honey. Mummy's right here for you. Do you want a cuddle? No. Okay, I'm going to be in the corner or I'll be like, just. I'm just sitting on the stairs the other side of the door. Like you shout as much as you want. She gets over it so much quicker. I'm delighted to introduce this week's podcast sponsor, Barefoot Footwear Company, Vivo Barefoot. Did you know that 90% of kids are wearing shoes that are too small, which prevents their normal natural growth? And Vivo Barefoot shoes keep feet as barefoot as possible because that is the best way to ensure feet stay naturally strong and healthy. They actually increase foot strength and stability by up to 60%. I have known about them for years because my husband Guy is a big fan, but now I'm super excited because they've just launched their first ever walker for toddlers and preschoolers. The shoe is called Pluma, meaning feather, and it's lightweight, flexible, and so soft and snug that actually socks aren't needed. So it's the perfect transition from barefoot to footwear. Now, Vivo Barefoot are offering MotherKind podcast listeners a 10% discount. So use the code MotherKindVB on their website to take advantage of this fantastic offer. That is Vivo Barefoot website and use the code MotherKindVB. Back to the episode. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash motherkind. I think all the time about generational cycles and it sounds like you're breaking a cycle there and I definitely am breaking a cycle because feelings weren't allowed in my house it was the 80s like emotions and feelings just weren't a thing we didn't understand we didn't understand what we know now and I really had that massive realization like actually there's nothing wrong with her and her feelings the problem is me trying to shut them down and then it was like ah I also can't access my own very well it's just unbelievable isn't it how you know, those tri- teachers, like they teach us yeah. so much about ourselves. And it gets deeper and bigger. And, and, you know, our children reflect back to us. What comes up in us is the age that that child is. So it's amazing to me how watching Jesse now in year three, like all of that year three stuff is coming up for me. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I feel like it keeps getting better and worse. So it's like harder and also more rewarding in like equal parts. But the issues or the things you're up against, so they constantly change. Maybe they feel like they get, they're almost getting like more complex as they get older. Yeah, especially girls, because you've got two girls like me and we're going through at the moment. So Jesse's seven, nearly eight, like the friendship things. And I really have to think like, what did I need when I was going through friendship stuff. And is that what she needs? Yeah. Does, does she need to, and what is my opinion on this? That's the thing. I'm like, what do I think about someone being mean to her? And some days I'm like, well, we need to shut that shit down. Yeah. And other I'd days I'm like, like protective mama bear. Exactly. But then if I'm feeling on a more spiritual day, I'm like, well, there's always going to be people who are going to say mean stuff. We need yeah. to teach you to build how you, up how, it how you handle you. that. Yeah. And, and, and I talk to her all the time when people were mean to me, I started to believe that I wasn't good enough. I took their words into my heart. That's what I say to my little girl. And I shouldn't have done that. I should have known always that I was okay. But it just so varies, doesn't it, between how much sleep I've got, how stressed I am. But it is, it's like, it really forces you, I think, to think like, what is my opinion on this? How do I think we should handle this? You're so right. It's like, until you get to the stage, you don't know how you feel about it. No. It's wild. It is really wild. And then we've got all the other pressures, isn't it? And the mental loads we were talking about at the start. The mental load, I think, is actually the hardest part for me. And I think mothers feel it more than the dads because it's like they're just all the things you're thinking about all at once. Even if you're just stood still, there's like a million different things. I'm really struggling at the moment with insomnia and I keep waking up at like 4 a.m. It's not helped by Sienna often coming in around the same time. I'm almost like expecting it as well. And then I put her back to bed, but I don't go back to sleep. And the mental, I try to do my breathing, even got up, I took some quite strong CBD, went back to bed, was like to lay there, did my breathing, was just like calm thoughts. And then it was just like, ding, 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 ding. 
probably because it's too much. I mean, I think the reality is that we are all holding too much. It was never designed to be this much of a pressurized role and often on our own, like even if we have partners, as you say, I think for most partnerships, the mother and the woman tend to hold most of that mental load. I think it's just too much, honestly. And I think my sort of journey with this is I've had to become quite radical about dropping stuff. Yeah. I'm currently looking at my week. I saw someone post on Instagram. They they looked at their week and then they were like, is this self-care or is this like self-harm? And they would look at their schedule and just anything that wasn't really essential, like their child's life or their life or like anything that like could be, you know, they just were like, take it out. Like at least like one thing. And I'm just, oh yeah, I'm trying to not cram my days as full and just allow for a bit more. You must get this as well with what you do. But I feel like something seemingly really small, like, oh, so can you share this thing? Or could you do this thing? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'm like, actually... I've got to think about when I'm going to do that. I've got to make the time for do that. Okay, I have to do that when I've got my makeup on. So I have to put some makeup on. It's like these little losses really have a big cost. They add up. They really add up. All those little yeses. Where are you at with boundaries and saying no and people pleasing? Mm, So I I think that, you know, when I was bullied and just wanting to be liked and wanting, you know, there is that people wanting to be a good girl when I was little that is part of what is in my personality I want to please people so I'm getting better at it and learning just not give a fuck as much which is I think important you have to kind of let go a little bit of what people are gonna think or say I'm trying to lean it more into the things that make me feel good so if I'm like looking at like response to something okay it's going to take effort but does doing that thing am I leaning into that is it bringing good energy is it bringing joy is it something that's going to fulfill me is it something that I want to do or is it something that I really really don't want to do and then if I really don't want to do it is it just coming from a place of fear like doing anything with public speaking I instantly want to say no but it doesn't mean I shouldn't do it should I only say yes to doing it if it's something that really aligns with me and like my plans for the future so I'm learning with boundaries, but I, I'm quite a homebody. I, I was out like three times last week and three evenings last week, and it really took it out of me. So then <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> so this week I'm really like, I'm like, it, I said no to any evening plans. I'm, I'm in all week. So you have to look at like where you're at and like what you can handle. Cause it will be different. I think it different for me, it's like different times of the year. It depends on the load of what I've got going on. Have you noticed as well? I think when I was drinking, it really masked for me how much of a highly feeling, highly sensitive empath I am. And I would just focus on like, okay. oh my God, I think, I'm we're, so quite, I think we're quite similar because I'm, yeah, I'm an, an empath as well. Sorry. So you, you'd be so focused on your hangover. But I'm so hungover. But now I don't drink and I go out and I feel this, not the same, but I still feel drained the next morning. And I know me it's too. because going to a room where there's all these energies and I'm having to be on really exhausts me. Like I get quite an, a deep I, level. I get an energy hangover. I was in Paris recently at a incredible event and it went really well. I mean, I, I got to bed by midnight. I woke up at like seven and I honestly felt almost hungover. Yeah. Same. I had a kind of erratic energy in the morning and then I was doing a shoot and I just kind of like got through it. And then in the afternoon I was just completely dead. And 
<laughs> I didn't even drink last night, but you have to still be kind to yourself and almost treat yourself. Like if you're hungover, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm just going to go a bit easy on myself. You can still do that for yourself. You know, you still got to look after yourself. And I can get a hangover from sugar. I can, yeah, see like late nights. I'm a an early night kind of girl. I wake early. I'm an early bird and I just want an early night. So if plans involve something super late, it's just kind of not for me. And I've, I've just had to kind of realize that. Like I, if I want to go to live music or something with dancing. Like it just has to like be in the day or like early evening. But how good is sober dancing? Okay, let's talk about sober dancing. I have to say I was really struggling with dancing at the weddings I went to over the summer that I was sober. But I've recently got into ecstatic dance. Oh my God, it's the one. You're doing five rhythms. So I've been to ecstatic dance UK. I went to one last week and one a couple of weeks ago. I haven't been to five rhythms, but I did five rhythms on a retreat and I loved it. But do they do it in London? I need to find where they do it. This was about eight years ago. I think I did it in, I want to say Vauxhall. Whether it's five rhythms or ecstatic dance, I'm really finding it to be the most incredible thing for me in my kind of healing journey because it's helping me to just be comfortable in my own skin. And it's about being seen truly as just me being myself, as with no judgment, just being free. And oh, it's amazing. And no one's drinking, no one's drinking. Oh my God, it's so nice to speak to someone else. I'm like, if I try to say it to my friends, they think I'm so weird. I've made a couple of new friends that are into it. So I've got a little crew that I go with, but we don't dance together. It's just nice to like know someone else in the room. I just want to be on my, in my own vibe. Some people like, will like interact with each other. And I just want to dance on my own when I've gone. Yeah, I love it. I just love the freedom. And as well, you know, I think it really has the potential to heal a lot of intimacy because intimacy is like, can I feel safe in being completely seen? Yeah. Actually, when strangers do come up to you and you're looking into each other's eyes and you're just, you know, to start with, I'd be overthinking like, oh my God, do I look okay? Am I moving okay? Is this weird? And I couldn't hold intimacy. It felt too much. Like I'd look away. I think I'm, I maybe I'm still, I'm still in that point, but I want to go like every, maybe not every week, but at least every month. And I think it will just improve and improve. And even the second time I went in London recently, I really felt myself like get into my body a lot more. And I was like, oh, my hands got involved. And I was like, getting really into it and feeling like less self-conscious and getting really into like a flow. It's really like changing me. I can't explain it. It's like, it's unlocking this big part of me that I've been like hiding for so long. And I hope a few people listening, they're like, what are you on about? Just go and do it. I can't really explain it. It's like a yogic but it goes, it goes back to what we were saying at the start, doesn't it? That, you know, we hold these traumas with a big T and traumas with a little T. We hold them in our body. You know, that's what Peter Levine and Vessel van der Kolk, they're just incredible, those books. And so we have to release it through movement as well. Mm. And I think I'm the same. And I've also really got into breath work, like transformational breath work mm. and that. I honestly feel like people don't believe me. I'm like, I've got a new nervous system. They're like, you haven't. I'm like, I've got a yeah. new nervous system. I'm telling you, my window of tolerance feels like it's doubled. And it's from like getting into. Yeah. I, I do breath work every day now. I didn't this morning because Sienna came in after five minutes and was like demanding that I make her breakfast, not daddy. But most mornings I try to do it. Yesterday I actually did it twice because I was 
actually having a hard day and found I needed to do it again in the afternoon. And it's really changing things for me. My anxiety was really bad after having a radio. Like it had been there in the background for like my 20s. And it was after having both the girls that it, it got to a point where it was kind of unmanageable. And I tried medication, but I really struggled with the side effects. So I decided that I just wanted to try to cope with my anxiety and start to heal the anxiety through a more holistic approach. And yeah, it's hard because there's no numbing of those feelings. They're, they come up and you've got to feel them. And sometimes it's really inconvenient. <laughs> you know? So inconvenient. So inconvenient. And it's uncomfortable, but it is also really beautiful. And I'm really glad I'm on this journey. But there's ups and downs that I'm learning to be better at coping with the downs because I know it's not going to last that long. And there's a high coming after it. That's it, isn't it? I don't think any of these tools take away the full colour of life, which is, you know, it's a rainbow, isn't it? From everything yeah. feeling amazing to feeling absolutely terrible. I think that's the human experience. And I run a mile from anyone tells me that's not the human experience. They make me feel good all the time. Yeah, you that. just don't feel it's happy sure all the time. Not. Like being the pursuit of being happy all the time is just like, it's just not realistic. It's ridiculous. We're feeling beings, like we're meant to feel the full spectrum of it. Yeah. I guess the difference for me today is that, A, I know that. So I give up this idea that <laughs> anything's wrong if I feel shit. I'm like, why would I not feel shit? I'm living life. Like everyone feels shit sometimes. Like, of course I feel shit some days. That is part of life. Yeah, just because I'm like I'm sober now and like my life is so much better, but I still feel shit sometimes. Of course you do. That is life. Like, I really have come to see and accept that. I'd love to know what it's like. Do you say you've been sober for 10 years? Yeah. Amazing. So I'm just over a year in and I'm guessing it just gets better each year or as you go yeah. through it. Yeah, it gets better. And my confidence is just better and better. It, it, to be honest, 10 years in now, it's sort of, it feels like such a, I don't even think about it. I, I don't even think yeah. about, but but what it has given me is everything that you've talked to. That was my gateway to actually being able to look at some of the stuff that happened in my past, to actually have the courage to stop living. Like when I think about myself drinking alcohol, I feel like life was in black and white and I wasn't yeah. able to access like the full color and texture because I was taking the edge off my feelings and my feelings are my gateway to how I want, what I want and what's going on for me. And anger tells me where a boundary has been crossed and joy tells me when something's good. And I was numbing all of that without realizing it. It's really given me everything that I've, how I feel today. And, you know, this isn't, really my path. Like my family has a lot of addiction, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of pain. Like I'm the sort of outlier that I'm doing this work and feeling this way. And I feel really proud of that for my girls as well. But yeah, good for you. So it does, it just keeps getting better. The whole like mummy needs wine culture just drives me mad. I'll tell you what's quite funny is I've been 10 years sober. You would not believe the amount of alcohol brands that pitch to sponsor. <laughs> You're like, uh, not really a lie. Like, uh, no, if you ever even what? <laughs> it's quite funny. It's yeah. quite funny. What's your favorite? Let's end on a lighter note. What's been your favorite non-alcoholic drink you've discovered? Okay, I really love this brand I discovered recently called Three Spirit. Have you tried them? No. They're like these botanical blends and 
they actually have like adaptogens and different herbal extracts in them meant to boost your mood. I was at someone's house, they had it, made this drink with like a bit of the three spirit and they have different ones and it was with like soda and a bit of some kind of pomegranate juice or something. It was delicious. And it actually kind of did like pep me up. It kind of changed my mood a bit. And I was like, oh, I actually feel like, I don't know. I was like, this is quite cool. It was like, I just felt like nice. I felt good. And they do one, which is like a nightcap, which is really delicious. You can just have it with ice. It's kind of relaxing. It's quite nice on the sofa in the evening with a movie. They're really great. I also love CBD and I love trip. I love trip. Two trips just feel really nice and chilled. Just like, not sleepy, just like, you know, I'm just like, how many can you have in a day, by the way? I was just about to tell you, I went, I went to a party. We have a few, I think. And I had, I was there on my own. I didn't know anyone. So I was sort of like just drinking the trips and I had like eight trips. (laughs) Woo! And I was driving home and I was like, I actually feel like I probably shouldn't be driving home like (gasps) <gasps> yeah that might have slightly exceeded the limit I think it's maybe really. like five <laughs> um you probably slept quite well that night yeah I did I did <laughs> I always ask the same question at the end okay which, if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world what would that one gift be and why well more time I mean it's not a realistic gift <laughs> does that have to be a does, real, does it need to be realistic I'm really at a place where my youngest is two next month and I'm really feeling kind of mourning I don't think we're gonna have any more and just that feeling of not having enough my baby anymore not they're not being my babies and I just keep looking back at all the baby pictures and just wishing I just had more time with them as babies it really is the longest shortest the longest shortest period ever because when you've got those babies I remember just being like I just want to break just yeah right and I just just want it to be bedtime or like just willing it to be, you know, because you're just in the week I work quite a lot, like not all day, every day. I do spend some time with them, but it's the weekends that at the moment I'm just literally so exhausted. I'm like, oh my God, I can't cope. They're just so delicious and yummy at the same time. It's Yeah. I'm often, I'm just like, how does so much happen by 8am? It's crazy, isn't it? By the time I sit down at my desk, I'm like, well, I've already done a day's work. So what else have you got for me? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I couldn't agree more. But just yeah, more more time with them as babies, but when they're being sweet and cuddly and just oh, it's just those moments. You just have to savor them. But everyone says it, but I'm suddenly like, God, it's just gone so fast. It's true. Um I was trying to think if there was like one product or one thing that I kind of that all mothers need. What would you say yours is? Oh, I don't know. Sorry to put you on the spot. I'm not so into um, products and things like that. I'm more into like inner stuff. Yeah. So I, I would give all mums self-worth because I think if we have oh. self-worth, we can set boundaries, we can say no, we can protect our time, we can look after ourselves, we can feel less guilt, we can take the pressure off. And I think that's what yeah. we need. I think that's what we need. That uh, If I could just dust every mother with self-worth, I honestly think the world would change really quickly. Yeah, that's really empowering. Yeah, I'm not very good. I know I'm not very good at products. I'm probably like the worst podcast. I'm never going to get a big sponsor. <laughs> but it's hard, isn't it? Because every parent's journey is so personal and so different. So you can't. It's not really like one thing that you'd be like, "This worked for me." If it was like a product, but it might not work for somebody. Else. That's it. 
So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on. 